0: Hey everybody, welcome back to Gear 30 on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. Okay, today we've got Matt Manzer, who is Atomic Ski Boots Product Manager, back on Gear 30 to discuss... My recent trip to Austria. This episode goes all over the place. So, if you are expecting more of an orderly conversation and clinic about ski boots, that's not this episode. But we do talk about Eura coffee makers, we talk about scotch and rye whiskey tasting sessions. We talk about me skiing Austria for the first time, and some ski boot terms that Matt does not want you to confuse, uh, some ski boot modifications, and more. And oh yeah, Johnny Depp. We talk about Johnny Depp. You'll like that part, or you will hate that part. Anyway, that's what we have in store for you today. This was a fun one. It was great to link up with Matt in person, finally, and uh, it was great being in Europe. And as you'll hear... I need to get back to Europe. I need to get some more skiing in in Europe. And another thing I should mention is that Matt Manzer is going to be at our Blister Summit. The dates for that are February 20th through the 27th. And there will be a link in the show notes of this episode for the Blister Summit where you can get all the information you're going to need. But you should come. And if you decide that you don't hate Matt and me, After listening to this episode, well, just think you can hang out with Matt yourself and ski with him and talk ski boots and the rest. He's a pretty fun and very knowledgeable person to talk to about all of these things. So, Matt will be at the Blister Summit. You should be at the Blister Summit. Check the show notes to this episode to learn more and get yourself registered. Oh, and another thing Mount Crested Butte has now seen. Record levels of snowfall. In at least modern history, there has never been more snowfall in Crested Butte up to this point in time. So the mountain is skiing great right now. We are building an extraordinary base. Things are setting up very nicely for the summit. So, again, if getting to hang out with Matt Manzer isn't incentive enough, Well then, come see this mountain, ski it with us, when it is in absolutely stellar shape. And on another related note, this episode of Gear 30 is presented by Mountain Flow. And at the Blister Summit, you will have a chance to check out various Mountain Flow products, including their Echo Wax. And right now, you can go to mountainflow.com to see their entire lineup of current products. I recently recorded a Gear 30 conversation with Mountain Flow founder, Peter Arlene. I strongly encourage you to listen to that conversation and you will then have a much better sense of why we are so proud to be partnering with Mountain Flow. And now, let's get to my conversation with Matt Manzer. Here we go. All right, it is currently 6.30 a.m. in Kaprun, Austria. We might as well get this fun fact out of the way right now. Neither Matt Manzer nor I are morning people. I think this might be the earliest I've ever recorded a podcast. I'm not certain of that, but it's definitely up there, if not number one. I'm on my fourth cup of coffee.
1: I have, a, I have one coffee in my system at the moment, and I'm not on energy drink now. <laughs> matt likes weird I'm trying th- to get two different caffeine streams just to see if to make to ensure one is at least effective.
0: Matt, I've been making fun of I'm not gonna name the brand, but I've been making fun of these energy drinks that matt drinks. It looks like it's like if a casino created a condom. That's what the like branding, like a like a high end Las Vegas casino was like we're gonna get into and
1: SRAM. wow
0: okay (laughs) um listen we were going to record this conversation yesterday on the first
1: but somebody fell asleep at like eight o'clock in the evening
0: well i tried to and then you kept me up later than that but i my sleep schedule is so so destroyed um it's been interesting and so yeah rather than record this On the 1st, you're getting this the morning of the 2nd, though it's still the 1st in the U.S. in Mountain Time.
1: Central, at least Central. Mountain Time. (laughs) We only
0: care about Mountain Time in the U.S., you know, and uh, it's still the 1st there. So, anyway, I I take it all back. It is the 1st in some parts of the world. Yeah, in Crested Butte. Anyway, this is our objective. We're going to talk about a number of things. Um, So, for those of you who have enjoyed more of the Wow, I was about to say like the master class series on like the deep dive on ski boots, except I was like, wait, we've been pretty drunk on some of those. So I guess
1: I'll do a master class drunk. I'm sure.
0: Maybe that's a whole new series, drunk master class. You know, like there's that big official master class series. Ours would be drunk master class. I'm we sure just, we could do that. We just do all the same topics and subjects with one key difference.
1: We're more drunk.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, if we're going to begin anywhere, I think we have to begin with the fact that we are currently drinking coffee made from a Yura coffee machine. In fact, I have only had coffee like over the past. That's not true. Atomic headquarters has a different
1: espresso set up there.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I've had, I don't know. Twenty five, way, way more here. Yeah, way more. Um, this is this is interesting because, as you know, you all know, there's. Well, first of all, there's been a lot of derogatory talk of Yura's, um on various blister podcasts. Shout out Cody Townsend. Um, Such
1: a, you're a hater.
0: He is. Yeah. I don't know the whole push one button thing and coffee comes out. That works with my alternative lifestyle.
1: It's pretty slick. Yeah. Has it been good coffee or bad coffee?
0: Um, more on the good, but I definitely wait the, like, you get to push one button and coffee comes out. And a lot of my life is based on like a terrifying efficiency, I call it. So I need to, well, I need to go home and actually fire up my Yura coffee maker and compare it next to the Mocha master. And then we'll get into a real head to head. I mean, that's just
1: perfect for your entire life. That, that concept you're going to A, B coffee machines yeah
0: yeah yeah i mean i was supposed to do this like starting a year ago Mm -hmm. i'm also a creature of habit who just needs coffee in the morning and so i haven't done that ab test in like a year so that's mostly just weird so yeah we're drinking your coffee Hmm. or coffee from a euro machine
1: yeah i guess it's not your coffee right right and coffee. what kind of what have we been drinking sega fredo is the brand yeah sega fredo do you want to do your Italian accent
0: now? A Segafredo. A
1: Segafredo.
0: I have an amazing Italian accent.
1: People thought you were Italian.
0: Totally. This whole skiing. trip. Whole trip. They definitely didn't think I was Austrian because my I have a fun, fake Austrian accent. I don't but think I,
1: you should do the Austrian accent. I don't think you should. No. No, no, no I'm pretty definitely. terrible.
0: Yeah. No. Okay. Other fun fact. Scotch. keyword of this trip. Well, Whiskey okay whiskey okay. yeah yeah because
1: we we dabbled in the scotch and other whiskeys
0: here's the quick note on this i have been telling matt for years i do not like scotch and he's keeps saying no no you don't say that you i've got some stuff you're gonna like and i was like i hate scotch yeah
1: it's too that's too broad of a blanket too broad of a blanket to cast too broad of a net to wear What's the metaphor?
0: I can't. Too broad of a net to wear. Wow. (laughs) Six thirty people. Six thirty. No one wears nets, Matt. Exactly. Um, Yeah. Too Um, too broad of a brush to to paint with. with? Wow. Mm -hmm. Anyway, the thing is, I've apparently only had pretty heavily peated scotches. Wait, scotch eye scotch. I still don't know the plural of scotches. Scotches. Mm -hmm. And so. And Pete is terrible. No one should put that in a drink. That you should admire it on a log if you're like shooting an <laughs> REI commercial. Wow, like, look at that Pete. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why you put that in a glass. And so thinking that that's kind of what Scotch was, I'm like, I hate this mm. genre. And then I get over here. We literally have on our table right now, close to 20 different bottles of very good. Non-peated scotch. Non. I didn't know that non-peated scotch was a thing. Mm-hmm. So, in some currently where I'm at in my you know whiskey journey, I hate peated scotch. But non-peated scotch... Hey, now you got something. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. I brought one bottle to Austria of Whistlepig 15-year-old rye because Matt had never had a rye whiskey. And then Matt introduced me to like 20 plus and people i did not know matt's level of scotchy of of scotch love but this is high end stuff like he's not messing around like boot nerd scotch nerd yeah branding on point here yeah we'll get to this consistency of branding in a second but through these multiple days of whiskey tastings did a new favorite scotch emerge for you? Mm, I didn't try anything brand new on my side. because This is
1: my collection. This is kind of like what we've come up with over the last number of years here. I think uh, nothing, m- my list hasn't changed, let's just say. Okay. But yeah, they're all pretty solid. Shout out one yeah. or two. Shout out one or two. So a couple things here that we've got. So first off, as as Jonathan mentioned, this is all non-peated scotch. So you could have peated scotch, like kind of smoky, campfire-type stuff, or non-peated. And it can be aged in different types of oak barrels. So sometimes you get a bourbon barrel that the scotch can be matured in that delivers a certain flavor profile, and you could also mature it in a sherry cask, a cask that had once matured or held sherry in it. And that's primarily what's on the table here. There's a few other type of cask influences, but for the most part, that's what we've been drinking. Non-peated, sherry cask, matured, scotch whiskey. And so some of the best stuff on my table here, probably going to be a few things from Mm Tam-Doo, so distillery in the Speyside region. There's a Looking at a 15-year-old Tamdu, there's a a non-age statement called the Gran Reserva, which is, even though it's a non-age statement, one of the smoother, better-tasting things on the table, I think you'd yes. agree.
0: I think you just actually copied me on that because yeah. I was like, this is my favorite. Yeah, and then, and then you were like,
1: oh, no, it's my favorite. And then there's also, <laughs> I can see Macallan 18 here as well, up. which was yeah, pretty awesome. Yeah. So all of those and the, all of the rest too are very similar, some cask strength versions. So really high level of alcohol, like ABV, like between 55 and 61% that you, you can drink straight, but you're probably better off adding a little water to. Most of these are, uh, mid forties. So 43 to
0: 46%. We don't really have any 40% on the table here none of that weak stuff. Um, <laughs> We had a lot of conversations about 43% versus 46%. Yeah. Yeah. You could tell the difference, right? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I want to, you know, I, I don't no. like to lie to listeners. So I just, I don't n- remember. I can't I, tell the difference either. Okay. Mm. I mean, no, that was my answer. Yeah. Um, I also really liked your five milliliter spoon that you have in the jar of water. Yeah. So you definitely want
1: to experiment with adding water to scotch especially the cask strength stuff yeah. sure jumping in drinking it neat that's it it's good but there's a bit of heat and a certain flavor profile that comes with how the how the whiskey tastes just out of the bottle and when you add a little bit of water to it the water tends to break things up a little bit and separate some of those flavors and make them a little more pronounced I guess it's a good way to say it. And you, if you drink it straight, drink it neat, and then add some water, it'll be a, a very different flavor. Or Yeah. A noticeably different flavor profile. It's like so walking, you got to have the, the
0: water. It's like grow. walking through a different door in a high-end <laughs> yeah. hotel. You just, you're introduced to a whole new world. Oh, look. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Different door. Oh, look. Cinnamon. Cinnamon. Look. Notes Toffee. of cinnamon. Yeah. Dried fruit. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so you got to have the, the spoon and you can't just use any old spoon. <laughs> you have to know how much water you're adding to your scotch. You just don't run it under the tap either. So um, a normal teaspoon, a proper teaspoon is five milliliters. So you know how much water you're adding to each, each one. So you can go back and recreate it later and say, oh, I
0: knew I added this much water to it. I want that again. Matt got frustrated with me because I kept calling it a five millimeter spoon. And so we keep adding five millimeters of water. That wouldn't be a lot of water. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Metric is hard for some. Well, I measure like ski boots and skis. I don't really measure things in milliliters.
1: It's the meter part of the metric equation that suits you best.
0: Yeah, the liter part. It's except tricky. we talked about how I make one liter of coffee a day, which you, which is mental. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that freaked you out a little. Well,
1: especially when I put it into perspective for you. Yeah. That's like, like yeah. That's, one so of those that's bottles. Whiskey bottles more. here, they're on the table. Or in Europe, they're 700
0: milliliters. milliliters. And you've got a liter of coffee a day. A day. That's my program. <laughs> yeah. So now I feel shamed. I don't feel like you should coffee or caffeine shame. I feel a little... It's okay to do that. Okay. Oh, so what did you think of the rye whiskey? Because again, so, you you were like, I don't... Yeah, I mean, bourbons over here, they're not hard to come by. They're just
1: not yeah. as common, you know? Well, that's so, not a bourbon. That's a rye whiskey. Sorry. American whiskeys aren't, um, yeah, super common over here. Yeah. They exist, no question. But like when you look at like what a whiskey shop would have, the scotch selection over here is much bigger than the American whiskey selection would be and so not have had tons of american whiskeys you know to your point there's bourbons there's rye. there are just general american whiskeys that don't fall into either classification because of how blended or made they are um i was like i'm really curious to try a whistle pig 15 rye whiskey and uh if you just blind taste tested me and said hey what are all these scotches I'd be like, "Oh, that's an interesting scotch." Like, they're all yeah. whiskeys. like they're they're whiskies aged in oak, like commonly, mm-hmm. right? It's a different grain that it's made from, obviously, but you're like, "Oh, there's some certain flavors here that I'm I could get in a scotch." Yep. And I think that's why I was telling you, "No, you're going to like scotch. Let's just get you the right kind." Mm-hmm. Cuz like saying American whiskey, yeah. it's a pretty broad Category same for Scotch whiskey, yeah, pretty broad category. Um, let's find the niche that that is going to work for you. And since you like bourbons and rye, I'm like okay, that and you hate smoke, yes, smoky peated stuff. I know exactly what would work for you. And I think we found from the the smattering of of scotches that's on this table here some stuff that I think you'd like.
0: Yep. That's why I'm taking the Tamdu Grand Reserva You're home walk, with me. Home I ahead. really appreciate that. Hey, no that as a gift. Yeah. Um, that'll probably not spill now that it's open. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just gonna duct tape it. <laughs> Close. Okay, we need to move on to other topics. We had some amazing ideas just brainstorming. You know, while I was well, first. You know, oh, wait. You, go you, ahead. You you got here. We were talking about this trip,
1: and I'm like, hey, you know, we haven't had a whole lot of snowfall over here
0: we, we did in early december yeah it was pretty awesome and that stuck in my brain like yeah. wow austria is japan right now except yeah. that image was from like three weeks ago
1: yeah about okay. three four weeks ago yeah. at this point yeah and i kind of prefaced the trip I'm like i really hope you're not coming over here to ski pow because we're in a bit of a warm cycle usually around christmas it tends to thaw here but then once new year's happens january tends to be pretty awesome that hasn't happened yet.
0: No. <laughs> January 2nd. It's still it's pretty so miserable. It's Yeah. <laughs> it's true. And, and I guess we should preface this with the fact that we just picked up over 10 feet of snow in Crested Butte. And like 100 plus inches since I left Crested Butte. Thanks for bringing this up. I've been trying to just repress this. Yeah. Let it out. Yeah. Don't, so, don't bottle it but up. But I knew that if I didn't get over here now my year was going like i wasn't going to make it over here for quite a while um with blister summits quickly approaching and the rest i was like i need to just get over and do this because we've been talking about this Mm -hmm. for a while and uh anyway so let's we might as well go there so i my first time ever skiing in europe day one got to ski in the rain awesome yeah yeah Mm yeah Um, reminded me of the East coast skiing I've done. It's like felt right at home. Not only in the rain, but it had rain for
1: like two or three days Mm -hmm. before that. Mm -hmm. We were hoping it was going to change to snow because we're right at, you know, one degree Celsius. So just a little bit above freezing Mm -hmm. and you know, in the Valley it could be raining, but up in the mountains it could be nuking. That was the fingers crossed. That's what we're hoping for. Yes. So let's get out there. We'll take some big, some semi big skis with us, hundred mil plus underfoot, just to have. Who knows what we're going to encounter? Mm-hmm. And if we do get some soft snow, hey, we're on something that will be fun. Mm-hmm. We encountered, I think, three four inches of Philadelphia cream cheese because mm-hmm. it had rained. Yeah, all night. Yeah, <laughs> overnight. Yeah, and then we. But the morning when we first skied in – um, this ski area called Zalkinze, which is right next to Atomix factory in HQ, really fun mountain, uh, to have at our disposal. And I was trying to tell Jonathan, no, really, it's, it's a good place to go. You can't see it cause it's all socked in, yeah. but there's really fun places over here, over there. And he's like, cool. I can't see 10 feet outside the chairlift.
0: <laughs> yeah. For my first Close to forty-eight hours or so in Austria, I was like, "There are no mountains here." There's no mountains where where you are. Yeah, Uh, I was. I thought you were just. I thought we were in like Iowa. Yeah, just like a foggy Iowa. Yeah.
1: First, well, when you got in, I guess it was kind of well midday, but you were also in the fog of jet lag and not sitting on a plane. Yeah, and it's really hard flying from the west to the east, at least I find, because you always. You, you hop on a plane, you sleep, or the plane travels, you know, nighttime. You're supposed to sleep. I can't sleep on a plane. No. Can't do it. No. Nope. You arrive in the morning in Europe, like 9 a.m., 10 a.m., and you haven't slept in like 15 hours. Now it's morning, and you can't just fall asleep. You have to power through the day. That, that's, just, that's the ideal thing. Do not nap once yep. you arrive in Europe. Power through it. Yeah. Um, so what we did you arrived into Salzburg airport around two in the afternoon yeah. so it's getting a little too late to go skiing yep so we just rolled over to atomics hq to
0: fit some boots mm-hmm. um and we're gonna get we'll i think get we're to gonna there. end the conversation okay. talking about what we but did we try to like boots.
1: power through all here like day yeah, yeah. Like, here's some coffee
0: yeah a lot of coffee. keep talking here's some coffee yeah
1: um and you got well, when we got to where we are now in my apartment in Caprune, it was dark. Yeah. And as we're driving in, I'm like, oh, there's a really cool glacier in front of your face that you can't see because it's just dark. And it's also socked in because there's clouds everywhere. I really hope tomorrow, or I can't wait until tomorrow to show you where you are. And then tomorrow happens, can't see anything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I go, I promise there's a really cool glacier there. There's some cool mountains this way.
0: Yeah, it was about two days. Before you actually saw where the hell you were. Yeah, that's Austria. true. A couple of things I was surprised by. First of all, at Saakunse, how's that? That's pretty good. Saakunse. 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 I'm not doing great, honestly, people with the pronunciations of Austrian ski area names. Not great. This not, is not Well, it's not easy. Well, anyway. But you're doing pretty bad at all. I'm not, not great. When you described the snow as being like cream cheese-like, honestly, the consistency of the snow was not bad. It wasn't sticky. It was, you know, like if we'd had a bigger base and like all the terrain was open and you were on a wide rockered ski, it honestly would have been awesome. Yeah, because it was
1: just... You were, like, literally sliding across it. Yeah. It wasn't sticky at all. Yeah, it yeah. wasn't sticky. And so... Yeah, our first turns, we were trying to, like, is this going to grab me and throw me over the bar?
0: Yeah. Or what's going to happen here? Yeah. And it was like, like nope. nope. I have to say, though, I thought I was coming to the land of perfect groomers. It's truly in my head what I thought, like... And those groomers were beat. Beat. Well, yeah. We skied no corduroy this trip. Not they're, they're, Not any. Yeah. I think
1: the... The sample size of terrain slash snow conditions. Yeah. You can't...
0: I can't say... <laughs> say There's I no perfect corduroy came, in Austria. I came all
1: this way. It didn't... <laughs> yeah, we didn't get powder. We didn't get good groomers.
0: We got a rainy corduroy. Well, I'm not calling... That was not corduroy. There was not one cord. We have gotten there earlier, probably. Okay. So, but it was just pushed around. Just, yeah. Like,
1: but the, you know, after a couple hours of all the tourists just snow plying their way through everything. Yeah, It was just like little mini moguls and yeah. cream cheese everywhere, yeah. which was really fun. But it did not give you an idea of how the boot feels, no.
0: of how the ski feels. Yeah. yeah, and we had just done, like, it felt like 10 hours of boot work over two days. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just skiing, like, softish, pushed around mogul groomers. And Matt's like, what do you think of the adjustments we've made? And I was like, I have no idea. You also didn't even know where you were in the world at that point. No, that's was, true. Yeah. Totally true. Jet lag yeah. city. But yeah, so that was day one. Whiskey, cream cheese, and absolutely corduroy-less groomers. Yeah. Well, and it, we went to lunch, then it rained. I started to just oh, yeah, opened it ruined, up and yeah. legit rained on us. Yeah. That was fun. That, yeah. And then we might as well just skip ahead to then our second day. So second day, now we're back in Caprune. Mm-hmm
1: going to ski the Kitschdeinhorn Glacier, which the hope there was like, hey, that's at least 10,000 feet. Hopefully, whatever rain was down in the valley, it snowed up there. That didn't happen. No. It was, it had rained up there a little bit, just enough, like the night or two before. And when we got there, now it had turned to winter. Yes. Like it was below freezing, windy, and absolutely bulletproof fully bulletproof i've yeah. never skied it's like it's not ice because you know you could get an edge into it at least with the ski we brought up yeah we brought the right we, we brought the real race sticks yeah and but i've never skied snow
0: that hard to go and and you're wait wait in your life i mean you're from the imagine. east coast or the east, sure, I east coast I and Kristen c- sannock gets mad at me you're from the east yeah did your time in vermont have lived here for 10 11 years yep yeah.
1: Yeah, sure. You encounter ice patches and hard snow patches here and there. But we're talking literal top to bottom. Yeah. Like at, at the end of skiing a few hours, like my feet, ankles, knees, and hips were like hurting uh-huh. just
0: from just vibrating so much. That's true. I will say, here, watch this, Matt. Uh, Kitsteinhorn. Yeah. Hey, that pretty go. good. That was it. The ter- We did get that on a bluebird day. And I have always said, and it proved it again that day, give me good visibility, like number one, and I don't care about the snow quality. I like to be able to see, by the way, especially that day, because I would have murdered people on the skis we were on, at the speeds we were skiing at. (laughs) I would have definitely run into like a dozen small children. It's pretty high season. It's not like normal
1: because things are open here in Austria, so... The lockdowns are over. People can, tourists can travel. It's holiday time. So usually it's really busy and it
0: was really busy. It was a little scary. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. So a couple of things to finish the point. Kitzsteinhorn has awesome looking terrain. Yeah. There's a free ride world qualifier. A yeah. four star that happens there. So I would a hundred percent love to like get back there and like mm-hmm. when that terrain is actually sort of skiable really cool and impressive um my favorite was that i kept making beer get kind of upset when i kept being like this reminds me a lot of wanaka <laughs> and it was like stop to our com- austrian friend yeah stop comparing the alps to to, to wanaka yeah, Tewanaka, New Zealand. <laughs> um, but both are beautiful places with cool mountains. So I, I don't know, you know, it's just the Yeah, Kit super cool terrain. We were skiing ice. The three skis we brought with us were the Redster G9RS, the Redster X9S, and the Redster X9WB or wide body. Hmm the redster g9 rs was definitely like the murder tool of the day like that ski in fog like if we couldn't have really seen i would have been miserable it's like that it's a freight train yeah
1: like you so this is yeah this is the g9 rs is the world cup fis construction gs ski right world cup plate world cup binding but the radius is 24 meters. It's not the 30 that yeah. like would be in pocket yeah. like zero fun if you weren't an athlete to mm-hmm. ski. So it has all the the cool kid construction, yeah. the perfect thing for how hard it wasn't because it wasn't ice. Well, in some parts were, I guess. But so how hard it was, that was the tool to have. Yeah, but you had to get it going. Yes, you have to just let it get up to speed, and then it comes to life. Yes. And given how crowded it was, uh, and how steep it was, like coming over some of these rollers, yeah. you're like, I
0: really hope there's not a group of seven year olds just standing right there. And when you get that ski to the speed where it feels good, you aren't shutting that thing down right away, especially not on. It gets th- up to speed slowly, and it needs to yeah, come it's down. A slow <laughs> stop. And that's that was really the the murder part. Like if it had been foggy, I definitely would be in jail right now. <laughs> Um, but yeah. And, and I mean, that's the thing, like a ski like that usually is like, I would not recommend that for like recreational use on a pretty busy day on groomers. Like that's not really. No, you want to have one of the other two skis that we had, but the snow conditions, honestly, the snow conditions were kind of perfect. Like name, name other skis that I would have rather been on that day. Um, it's a no, short list it's a short list it's just put a bunch of people also on the groomers with you and then it then yeah worry about yeah and not good skiers yeah that know where to go how to
1: go it's people that are going straight and then they decide to just bank hard left out of nowhere yeah they liked
0: that move a lot <laughs> yeah that was like the that was like the dance it's, move. it's like oh they're just skiing down like, oh, we're gonna decide to just traverse now and Boom. by the way cut hard left or right and never look uphill never at your very slow speeds yeah it's just like hard left don't look up and we were standing
1: waiting for like the crowds to like part Uh to get a good line so we could get these skis up to speed and you know have a a couple three or four good turns and just fingers crossed that nobody was gonna decide to just go darting left in front of us Mm -hmm.
0: So, I'm pretty stoked that I didn't end up killing anyone while I was here. I did not want that to be. That's a win. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I did not want that to happen my first time skiing Austria. Um, Okay. Another thing we got to shout out this is one of my favorite parts of the trip Austrian opera music. Yeah. So, the opera scene. Oh, my goodness. I wish we had more time
1: and to get into the real opera stuff.
0: That's out here. I feel like I may have like reached the mountaintop of Austrian opera because of my new favorite. My new favorite song, though, yeah, called Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp. Yeah, Um, spelled sort of D A with an umlaut. P P. Yeah. I'm really thinking about changing the Blister Podcast intro music to this song. That should happen. I, I mean, people just trust us check it out on spotify just, please check this song out it's yep. amazing and people lost their minds to this song including <laughs> our our dutch friends the guys that we were like were in line with um, for the gondola to come back down yeah who were absolutely lit yeah at 4 <laughs> 30. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. i don't know that those guys really skied i don't think they did yeah um that's my new favorite thing though johnny depp um, mm-hmm. Look it up, D A with the umlaut, P P. There's also a song where they just kept screaming "alcohol." Yeah, Opera music is its own genre. You tend not to hear
1: it outside of like the these. I um, was called a shearm bar, like a, an umbrella bar, or like the actual little places you can go drink on the mountain. Um, very unique, very annoying if you live here long <laughs> enough. Okay. You're you're in the, you're in like the discovery, yeah, phase. The discovery yeah. phase and you're loving I it. I loved it. Like,
0: yeah, yeah. Give it a couple of years and you'll just want to saw your ears off. Okay. <laughs> Another fun fact about Matt, you drive fast. Well, the speed limits are also faster here. Not really. Highways,
1: roughly 84 miles an hour. Normal, you know.
0: So you you're just used were. to not going that
1: fast, I guess. Mm.
0: Maybe just more kind of hairpin turns okay, and stuff. Okay, sure. Yeah. You got to hit the inside lines. You just can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> and I think my FJ doesn't handle like your much lower to the ground ride. It's still like I kind have of an SUV-ish type thing. It's not an FJ. No. Yeah. But it's not
1: It's lower to the ground. It's not a like, Porsche. Like, it's not like
0: yeah. a proper car. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. I definitely thought at some moments we were going to absolutely just like 360 off the road. What? Yeah, into oblivion. I, I felt think that's, that's your jet lag, just being scared okay. or whatever. Um, I'm not that bad. He's a good driver. No, yeah. he's a, you're, I didn't say you are a bad driver. Yeah. You're a fast driver. Okay. Yeah. I like the, and, and an impatient one. That's true. You get real mad at other drivers on the road. They're so slow sometimes. <laughs> Should we talk about the Atomic Factory? Sure. Okay. We, we let's do that. Um so we spent a couple days there. So yeah, also preface Jonathan but hey, you're not
1: gonna get great snow when you come here. And also when you come here, no one's gonna be at the factory. Like they're not making skis. That was fine. They're, I didn't I've seen skis. So made. but like there's just nobody in the factory to like talk to or see or whatever. It's just gonna be us walking
0: around like the factory it. that's turned off. Yeah. <laughs> well, and we had some other orders of business that we're not going to necessarily talk about cuz we'll be making announcements soon on this front but some conversations to be had some things I wanted to see in terms of equipment at atomic but I I thought it was great like and I mean we had I got to meet and talk with one of the sort of key people on the ski design side at atomic yeah, so you talked to Herbie Buchsteiner. Yeah, Please shout out a, to he, Herbie. Good, He's dude. responsible for skis yep. at Atomic.
1: So all categories, all in. Um, and that was really cool yeah, was conversation. A
0: conversation. Yeah, and hearing just all the various parties and factors that go in to, like, what are we going to make? Why are we going to make it, et cetera? Um, so, yeah, it was great getting to talk to him because normally, well... I talked to you the most. Well, he also, he,
1: again, no one's at the office and we're like, hey, Jonathan's in town. You wanna come say hi and talk? He's like, no problem, you're right yeah. over.
0: Which is what happened. Yeah, And I fired up another like double coffee. I was just like, get
1: some coffee and we yeah. can talk, yeah.
0: yeah. What should we say though about, I mean, we well, got to see the- you, okay. We saw the factory. Yeah. We have,
1: like, there's like two areas where we fit boots, right? That you and I had our, our boot work kind of getting done. A, My R&D product management area, like our our boot workshop where we build samples, do boot fitting, you know, on like the front side of the factory. And then in the back is the race department, Mm -hmm. you know? So this is where athletes will get skis made, skis tuned, boots built, boots fit, everything you could possibly think of, you know? So we walked into the back and you got to meet um, one of the techs, David, the yeah, super yeah. awesome guy. Yeah. Um, and then you saw some athlete boots that were built
0: and just sitting around. So some pretty cool stuff. Saw Kilda's boots. Breezy Johnson. Shout out Breezy. Yeah. Michaela's 20 some pairs of boots. Yeah. That were there. You know, she has more. Yeah. All
1: the athletes have more. This is just what's kind of hanging around in between races. Yeah. But, um, yeah, all the boots are labeled on the back of the cuff with, like, name, event, and number. So, like, Michaela GS number four, Kilda DH number two. You know, there's all these different builds of certain cuffs on certain shells, different plastics that are being used, um, different angles set to the boots, um, to have all these
0: variants and and reasons for why they should be there, yeah. I feel like I probably should have left you guys with a pair of like my boots, and then we could have just you know typed Ellsworth on the back. Ellsworth, all disciplines, snowplow number one. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should have brought my Telly boots and just you know like as Damn. a historical piece. We could have put them in the little museum section. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 The added to the timeline. Yeah. That's actually that was a really cool. <laughs> part of the sort of building was like some of the history timelines and some of the equipment. Yeah. So there's basically like the the
1: historical timeline set up of when the the company was founded in
0: 1955. There
1: you go. And the first ski that Alice Ramoser made, uh, or one of, if not the first, was definitely one of the early atomics from the day and all like the major milestones of things that have happened of, you know, athletes winning whatever event or being at the top of Everest Mm-hmm. all the skis and, and boots that were used.
0: Yeah. All right. We're going to talk about some of the modifications we made to my boots. This we're mm-hmm. nearing the part of the conversation where we actually talk the about people came in to and yeah, like for. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But I think we should talk a little bit about maybe a, a brief glossary of ski boot terms. And we, this kind of, we got led into this through a conversation about words in general.
1: Well, yeah, things that bother me, like people misuse yeah. words or use them in the wrong
0: way. Yeah, so why don't Here's we, me. we're going to back in. I don't into- know how many we'll have here. Okay. But um, but, but wait, yeah. wait, let's go with on the words thing, things uh, I've learned on this trip. Theory versus hypothesis. I fucking, you can't,
1: people misuse the word theory so much and it just, that's what probably grinds my gears the most. So people say, "You're like, oh, I have a theory. I have an idea." What they really mean is, "I have an idea. I have a hypothesis. I want to test." They don't have a theory because what is a theory, Matt? Well, a theory is like a settled state of science, basically. Like it's a really proven, tested um, idea and explanation of how things work and why they work the way they do. So if you have a theory about ski boots, you've already done a lot of work. You've done so much legwork and also other people have checked your work and confirmed it and said, yeah, that checks out. So when you have a theory about something, it's very settled, you know, and it may change with new data, but at least right now it's been tested and confirmed and predictions have been made about what's going to happen next based on that information. So People are like, oh, I have a theory, or that may work in theory, but not in reality. That shit just bugged me.
0: So basically, you don't like it when people use the word theory when what they really mean is I have a half baked idea. Yeah. 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 Not even. Just say that. Like,
1: I have an idea or I have a concept, I have a thought. Don't say I have a theory.
0: Okay. Um, You also hate the. phrase unconditional love <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we learned this too and i'm kind yeah, of with you on this one me, yeah like, yeah everybody's... love should be conditional 100 percent. there's a lot of horrible things i think
1: people are well intentioned when they say yeah you know oh i love you unconditionally everybody wants to hear they love you no matter what but when you play that out mm-hmm. you, a, you you I realize guess. there are definitely conditions you want to have mm-hmm. <laughs> for love to exist yeah Like you would never want to date a liar or a cheater or someone who
0: sawed the limbs off of small
1: children every day. there are Definitely conditions to being someone's partner. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Theory. Don't use the word theory unless you really mean it and don't ever talk to Matt about unconditional love. Yeah, exactly. Okay. That then is the obvious segue into a glossary of ski boot terms. So, give us a couple, again- erroneous phrases that people confuse that make you angry
1: yeah they don't make me as angry as
0: unconditional love but (laughs) the concept of unconditional love just really drives you insane we got to use words the right way
1: and it's it's to no one's fault because there isn't really a set dictionary of ski boot terms and phrases and they change wildly from culture to culture but One of the things we were talking about the other day is because we modified part of your ski boot. You're like, oh, I need to take the rivet out of the back of my boot. I did say that. Yeah. We didn't rivet anything. We screwed. (laughs) We're going to cut that out, actually. Um, No, we aren't. We added a screw to the boot. We didn't add a rivet. A rivet is a very permanent, pressed-in thing that does not come out easily. Like, you got to drill those suckers out. And sometimes they are used. But what people are talking about when they rivet a cuff, they're adding a screw and a T-nut or a screw and a claw nut to the back
0: of the boot to stiffen it up or fix it in place. So riveting a boot is not a rivet. They're and I would say strap. we use that like boot fitters and boot designers. I've heard we talk about a fixed cuff or a riveted cuff. Yeah. There's no rivet there. There's no
1: rivet there. At least on the boots that would tend to be reviewed and fit yeah. and skied by a blister. You know, like... 80 flex boots are riveted together, you know, to save money and stuff like that on the production side. But higher end boots, you want them to be put together with screws so you can take it apart, fix things or adjust
0: them more easily. One or two other glossing, Canting. Canting. This this we've talked we've about. We've talked about. But it's
1: still there. It's kind good, of
0: worth reiterating. Yeah. Canting and cuff alignment.
1: Yeah. Not the same thing. Not the same thing. I guess technically someone could say, oh, we're talking about sole canting and cuff canting, but I'd rather just cleanly split it and say canting involves modifications done to the lower shell, specifically the sole of the boot and how the boot interfaces the binding at a certain angle. And cuff alignment is just changing the angle of the cuff to either suit your biomechanical needs or allow the boot to behave a certain way. So, cuff alignment is talking about moving the cuff around. Canting is talking about modifying the sole of the boot and how it interfaces with the binding and therefore changing how the entire boot is angled,
0: Mm -hmm. not just the upper half of it. And then let's do this. The lower piece of a ski boot, in my view, having debated this with you a lot in these past several days, I'm a fan of the term clog but i am open to calling it the shoe <laughs> but it should not be called shoe. the shell which is what you do you talk about you talk about the cuff right we know what the cuff is of a ski boot you talk about the cuff and the shell yeah. and i don't like that cuz it's all the shell it is all a shell it's all plastic but it's a shell and a it cuff it is more specific to talk about the cuff the upper the cuff and i used to like clog okay but now you don't like clog because think of a clog yeah you get the platonic form of clog in your head yeah
1: it's a step in that's open from the back like you just slide your foot in that's not what happens that's not that's not what this lower part of the ski boot is at all except on like a rear entry boot maybe yeah but on a overlap two-piece boot uh i don't see a clog If, if we had a shell sitting on the table the lower part of the boot, excuse me. Yeah. Um, I don't think anybody would mistake that for a Dutch clog. Um, But I, I mean, I don't, I'm not going to get too hung up on this one. Okay. It doesn't, it doesn't bother me, but I mean, a shell, you think of like a, um, like a seashell and they kind of spiral together and overlap. You see that a little bit going on there. I
0: I think we should standardize this for all gear 30 listeners. I think we just people let's call the upper thing, the cuff, and the bottom, the shoe, it's just done. Then it'd be more. This German. is like the. This yeah, is sorry. like the Nicene yeah. Council, which we yeah. also talked a bit about. Yeah, no, we did. Like sometimes people just need to come in and be like, "This is the way it is now." People. We're gonna get rid of these documents and keep these <laughs> ones. <laughs> Why? No idea. <laughs> <laughs> no, no good reason. Or. <laughs> because that serves they, our, our power interests. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: These documents yeah. suit our position. Better. Yeah, that's right. Um, <laughs> I, 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 won't get, I won't beat this one to death, but clog is fine by me. I just if you were to walk into an atomic, for example, and just hang out with our R and D crew and talk boots and things, you got the upper cuff and you have the lower shell. The clog is not used at all in, in R and D in our department. It may be someplace else. But it's just the, the vernacular yeah. that we use, and it's cuff and shell. It's understood, at least, in the four walls at Atomic. But it's now cuff and
0: shoe, as we've established. You could... It still is a cuff little and weird, shoe. but... Cuff and shoe. Yeah, I, don't, I know. I'm probably yeah. going to keep calling it not the shell. The whole thing seems like the shell. Anyway, mm-hmm. go with cuff and clog or cuff and shoe. Or shell. No, don't do that. Let's wrap up with just walking through some of the modifications we made specifically to my boots and so what did you bring over well you made me oh really yeah Yeah. bring over the redster cs Mm -hmm. which interestingly i actually texted you on christmas day Was it Christmas Day or Christmas Eve? Because I've been skiing the Redster CS because I had only been skiing the Atomic Hawks Professional. Hawks Ultra Professional. Sorry, Yeah. yeah, the Hawks Ultra Professional. Because I got a few days on that at the end of last year. I wanted to get more time on it this season. I've actually really been liking the way that boot skis. And it was time to like move into this Redster CS, which is a much heavier shell it's, how would you describe like i mean we've talked about this but to remind people how do you talk about say the key differences between the redster cs and the hawks ultra
1: yeah so the redster cs um for starters evolved from world cup racing that that comes out of a mold series that was a world cup level boot um but with a quote-unquote wider last used on the inside to arrive at the the CS model name. So it's the World Cup outer shell, but with a more anatomic, essentially more boot work punched out last. So there's more space for the navicular, big toe, six toe. All these things are kind of pre-built into it and they're not on the the World Cup mm-hmm. version. Um, so this boot, the geometry, the, the thickness of plastic, the liner construction, everything's kind of coming from a very high-performance, speed-based, precision-based, confidence-inspiring kind of setup. And when you build a boot like that, it's going to be pretty thick, pretty heavy. And usually on the stiffer side of things, even the softest Redster boot, like like a a Redster CS110, is going to be very substantial, very supportive, provide a lot of damping. A lot of smoothness, a lot of stability that your quote-unquote all-mountain boots may not have, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Whereas a Hawks boot does not come from the race side of things. You know, it, It's building off of our experience of how to build ski boots, of course, and that means a lot of race influence. But it's a different geometry, a different stance in the boot, different liner construction, different plastic um, thickness built for high performance skiing within a resort but obviously it's a little bit lighter that's kind of one of the first things people are probably going to notice um, and the fit isn't um, as requiring of boot work typically as a redster would be and that's kind of your experience too you hop into a Hawks Ultra you can ski out of the box no problem you did ski the redster CS out of the box for a few days which made you real mad at me no but I was just I think the rest, me and the rest of the world was kind of surprised that that was achievable for you, that you could just open it up from the box, go ski it. Because usually there's some boot work involved, which we ended up doing to make you more comfortable in the boot. Uh, But not a lot, to be honest, still. Even when we did everything to it, there was not a ton of of boot work from a fit perspective that was done.
0: Yeah. And I I think... Somebody made a comment, right? Because obviously I've talked a lot. The head Raptor 140 RS has kind of been my reference ski boot. And somebody wrote in recently on the site and was like, I can't believe you're going from skiing a head Raptor to skiing a Redster CS unmodified. Like, I think he called me a sadomasochist, which I've been called worse. Yeah, Fitting. Yeah. Hmm. But the biggest difference for me was we did push out the toe box yeah which honestly i have to say you did a beautiful job i've i've like pushed or had the toe box of some boots pushed out before and it ended up looking like the boot had a gross tumor on it mm-hmm. it's like real ugly aesthetically i can't even tell so nice job hey, to your tools and to you mm-hmm. um yeah you gotta use the right tools boot fitters yeah um, And so that additional length in the toe box is really nice. But that was really like, otherwise that CS, I've been skiing the Redster CS in the regular Mimic liner, not the professional foam injected liner. Yeah. So what comes in the normal
1: CS is the Mimic World Cup liner, which is a, a liner that is used by the racers. Yeah. Then there's also the Mimic Professional, which is the new super cool thing that we're doing with has mimic technology that heat multiple plastics inside the liner in combination with this foam injection technology. And so I was like, when you come over, we're going to one fit your regular mimic liner, which had yeah. not been done yet. Yeah. Um, two, we're going to do mimic professional three. We're going to double check cuff alignment, adjust some sole canting, add some new cool lifters, so it'll be coming out soon to this boot so doing a lot of i would say not crazy things in terms of fit but time consuming work to make sure it was yeah. kind of dialed in uh and then the toe punch for sure yeah. what else should people know so like your boot you were pretty happy with the cs when you were skiing it prior to coming here very actually yeah and so you were worried if we were to kind of start tweaking and touching it and messing with it yeah you're gonna is it gonna be bad Is it gonna get worse yeah and I was like, at least have some confidence in me that i I know what I'm doing. Um, and we had a couple ski days on it. But as you heard earlier, the ski Games. days were not the best testing ground for anything. Yeah. <laughs> besides, I guess, testing your, the efficacy or efficiency of the Gore-Tex jacket that you have that day. Held up great. <laughs> Shout out to Gore-Tex. Thanks. Um, but we changed cuff alignment. Slightly adapted the sole canting um, to the boot. Um, added a lifter mm-hmm. to the boot. Do people couple, know what a, that means? Added a liners. lifter. Um, P- when you say we added a lifter. So a boot like a, a Hawks, typically these boots, these all mountain boots have screwed on replaceable grip pads, right? You, you can walk all day in your boots and when they wear out, you're like, oh, I need new grip pads. I can unscrew these ones and put on some fresh ones. A race boot, a typical race boot is a solid sole. Like it's all plastic. There's no replaceability to it. So if you were to just keep walking in your 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 new Redster, you'd eventually wear it out. To the mm-hmm. part doesn't fit well into bindings, yeah. and you need to buy a new boot. Yeah, which is kind of like one of your your boots that you've had for a long time. Your Head Raptor. Yeah, you've walked in it so much yeah. that it's it is a little sketchy yeah, in it's bindings. Probably, it's I've. <laughs> Yeah. So when you have a boot like this, um, you want to add, at the very least, some amount of replaceability to these boots to make them last longer. And one way to do that is to, to add lifters to the boot. Lifters kind of come in 3 mil or 5 mil thicknesses, typically. They get screwed onto the bottom of the boot. But that means now, if you add anything to this sole, it's no longer into the specifications of the, the ISO norm five three five five that means it can fit into bindings the right way so if you add a lifter you have to to grind material away from the tops of the toes and the heels of the the toe and heel lug yeah and so we have a new lifter coming out for the redster series which is a dual component so there's like soft grippy material on it in combination with a hard material in the AFd zones um so you get a little bit more of an all-mountain approach to your redster Mm -hmm. So you get some replaceability, one. Mm -hmm. And two, better traction for walking around. Wet
0: stones in Austria.
1: Yeah. Not not just like hiking lines that are cool, but also just walking around like a restaurant and not slipping and falling on your butt. Kind of helpful.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Which is funny because you notice when you you put the boots on and you walked from the car to where we were going, you're like, oh, it's quieter.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) So first we adjust... The sole canting yeah. to the boot to better work with your setup. And when you do that, you're essentially grinding material off the boot. Yeah. So now you're making it not thick enough for a binding. So lifters would have to go in any way. Added lifters, did the toe and heel routing, adjusted your cuff alignment, made those two liners work for you. And then one of the last things we did was the toe punch. Yeah. So once we
0: did the routering, now we can punch out the toe. And, and that then, we sh- that we should say because the Hawks Ultra boot mm-hmm. actually is a has a longer toe box stock than the Redster CS by a couple millimeters. Yeah, by a couple millimeters. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: yeah. Despite it's having a shorter boot sole length, mm-hmm. so a Hawks Ultra at three hundred millimeters is having a, a longer internal last than the redster cs at 305 Mm -hmm.
0: so another point don't judge the length or fit of a boot yes on its boot sole length yeah yeah important one actually that's actually i talked about that a little bit with hadley hammer Mm -hmm. on our conversation but that's a big one i think that people for all the minutia that we've been talking about here yeah boot sole length does not equal the internal last of a boot two different things yeah and so now unfortunately we have to wait
1: For you to go skiing on some non-rain Philadelphia Mm -hmm. cream cheese
0: to figure out if if I messed your boot up or not. I know. I'd be so mad at you. I Actually, this was a... I literally was like, I kind of feel like the Redster CS was perfect. And then you're like, let's totally... We can make it more perfecter. Yeah. And if you mess that up... I'll I'll bet you... Pick your bottle of scotch. Oh.
1: Yeah. Tamdu Reserva. So if you don't like your boot...
0: We'll figure out a way to at least get you drunk enough that it feels fine. Okay. The the longer toe box is already money. I can say that for sure. Like that feels in the way that like that toe box on the Hawks Ultra is great, has been great. Like that now feels the same in the Redster CS. So it's going to be interesting. And I, you know, I have really liked... Like the Hawks Ultra wasn't my favorite boot personally, coming from one of the heaviest boots on the market, right? Like Mm -hmm. again, genre, getting clear on your genres, right? And that professional liner, that foam injected liner in the Hawks Ultra, I've been telling you, I was like, I don't know that I need the Redster CS anymore. And you in an earlier conversation, one of these conversations, you had said, putting that professional liner into the hawks ultra it's almost like you can you have a redster cs on the one hand a hawks ultra on the other and it's like with that professional liner it kind of splits the difference between those two boots mm-hmm. and i definitely yeah, it moves the hawks ultra closer, closer to the sorry yeah closer to way. the cs yeah. and i a hundred percent agree mm-hmm. with that that said I've been skiing the Redster CS with the regular Mimic liner. It is a more powerful boot, and like just start, it's like just just straight up mm-hmm. no mods, and that's been pretty cool. I mean, put that CS on edge, and it's like okay, yeah, lots of power in that boot. So, personally, I'm going to be. I'm not the biggest guy in the world. I'm not the strongest, most powerful skier. I'm still curious whether that CS for me. Is gonna feel better to me with that professional liner, or if I'm gonna be like, that feels a little bit like too much boot now versus the stock mm-hmm. mimic? And I don't know the answer to that yet. I guess we'll have to find out. I guess we'll, have we'll to be find
1: out. waiting impatiently
0: for the um, next A B C D. Yeah, testing
1: that's gonna happen. Yeah, um, but you're gonna have to that point. Yep, you're gonna you're, you're keeping the regular mimic World Cup liner, yes, and you're gonna compare it. To
0: how the mimic professional feels and how that influences yep. the fit and feel of the boot. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, we've talked a billion times now. Like my feet are not complicated. You did say that you're like you actually have pretty high vo- of high volume foot. Yeah, for, for the length of your foot, you have a pretty high
1: what's called a you know heel to instep perimeter. Yeah. You know, like the the real volume of your instep is yeah. pretty. I would say high for your foot length. Yeah. Um,
0: but relatively uncomplicated, honestly. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I got some more boot learning. I don't, I got to be honest, I don't love reviewing boots. It's hard. Like it's complex, you mm-hmm. know? And, you know, God bless everyone who just gets to dial in a ski boot and that's the only thing they ever ski and think about. That's a that's like that's you're awesome. living in a, you're in a nice position in life. If you don't like reviewing boots, try testing prototypes of Ugh. of things that, aren't fitting
1: well nope. i need to go through 20 30 revisions before i can say hey this is the
0: boot you should test mm-hmm. <laughs> it's been green lighted no boots yeah. are so complicated the other crazy thing which i didn't say through this whole conversation this is the first time you and i have ever met in person yeah which is kind of wild you almost didn't recognize me at the airport you're like who's this guy <laughs> Well that was mostly the jet lag and you had a mask on yeah exactly and you kind of <laughs> snuck up yeah. Or like over my shoulder. But um, this has been cool. And it kind of is funny. We we have recorded this is either our 10th or 11th podcast, depending on whether you count the blister summit conversation, mm-hmm. which is probably creepy of itself that we've had 10 or 11 having never met oh yeah no not having <laughs> never met just that we've just done that done that yeah i think you i think you currently hold the belt for most appearances cody townsend's probably catching up to you but well you, how many reviewing the news is have you guys done? i don't know we it actually it's got to be close it's got to be i would imagine i'm he's got more he might be one or two ahead of you yeah yeah anyway um this has been cool had a lot of fun thanks for coming to visit i'm mm.
1: i'm insanely bummed that the weather has been the worst weather I've seen since I've lived here in Austria. We went from skiing melted cream cheese to bulletproof ice, like one day to the next. I'm like, this is fucking miserable.
0: (laughs) But Hey, um, turns out being out on the mountain, still really fun. Thank God we had a bunch of scotch to get through. Thank God to make it worthwhile. Yeah. And whistle pig and whistle pig. Yeah. 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 But it still turns out skiing is just fun. Like I was never like, screw this. I'm not happy to be out. Skiing is better than not skiing. Skiing is better than not skiing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We really need to go. We'll be driving even faster now. I know. So pray for me, everyone. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Pray for me. If if you are actually hearing this aired, because I'm going to have to go record the intro later, that means I survived. So that's the good news. People
1: either won't hear this. Right. Which is really bad.
0: It is real bad. Yeah if you're um, hearing this that's then, then you know you survived mm-hmm. um all right on that note thanks man well we're gonna see you at the blister summit in yeah. february we're negotiating we're this We're figuring out the, the minutia, the details yes. of when exactly i'll be there but yeah. that's the plan is to come over to the summit and i can now say you know people should come to the summit you'll get to meet matt and he's he's not that bad in person like you won't be like oh my god i'd rather be talking to him on like a conference that bad, call, yet, yeah bad
1: but still not right that bad
0: yeah yeah so um there's that hey thank you it's been a pleasure thanks let's, for coming over i gotta pack i haven't packed so like yeah we got all this stuff to wrap up huh? yeah hey everybody it's a new year happy new year um let's make this a good one i think that would be a good thing for us to do um, stay safe yeah be healthy yeah and uh yeah wish you all the best in the new year all right talk to y'all later Okay, it is time now for our What We're Celebrating segment this week. And I got to keep this quick. It is currently Friday morning, January 7th, 8 a.m. I'm actually in Sun Valley. I am testing some new stuff out here in Sun Valley. I'm actually not even sure if I'm allowed to tell you yet what we're testing out here. I honestly don't know. So forgive me if I am allowed to tell you but I'm not going to tell you. I got to go get on snow right now. We skied Sun Valley yesterday. It was actually my first time skiing Sun Valley. Conditions are fantastic. It was a good crew. Looking forward to skiing the next couple days here. And I couldn't be more grateful. So that is what I'm celebrating. It is eight in the morning. So the glass I have here is, uh, it's actually a mug of coffee, but we did enough glass raising last night that I think we're covered. I think we're covered. So anyway, I got to go ski and that then brings us to the end of this edition of Gear 30. I want to say thanks to Matt for being a great host and for this kind of insane conversation we just had thanks to the strikingly handsome justin bob for producing this episode and from everybody back in gunnison and crested butte colorado please take good care of yourself and everybody else and we will talk to you again next week